Good morning. Um, and just in case you joined us a little bit after we got started, I do want to also just extend another invitation to you to um, join us for Christmas Eve around here in a couple of different ways. Jeff shared with us that um, we will both pre be pre-recording a sanctuary service as well as a crossroads service that will be available to you. But we also are uh, extending an invitation for you to be part of what we're calling I Wonder As I Wander. And it will be a walkthrough experience here at the church. You, your family can sign up for a time slot and enter in and walk through various reflection stations. You can experience communion here in the sanctuary and we will end up weather permitting outside so that we can sing and um, um, light our glow sticks or whatever you might bring um, with you and share the, the light of Christ with one another. Um, we also sent out an invitation this week. If you want to be part of our Christmas Eve service that we will be recording, we invite you to record your family um, sharing the light. And there are instructions in that weekly email that you can check out. But we would love for you to be part of that experience so that we can weave together in a video uh, passing the light among our, our church family. I wonder if you have ever experienced an almost joy, an almost joy, not an altogether joy, an almost joy. There is something about this season that uh, I think brings out this sense of joy among us. And part of it may be because it tends to be a season where we are um, doing kind things to one another. Now, part of that might be we're motivated to not end up on the naughty list. I get that. But regardless, we tend to be doing acts of kindness and thoughtfulness and generosity to one another um, more than other times of the year. Uh, and when we do things that are kind for each other, that makes everybody feel good. It just does. But admittedly for some, this is a very difficult time of year. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one. Maybe you have uh, experienced a change in financial situation, a loss of a job. Maybe you have a broken heart. Uh, maybe you have memories from your childhood at Christmas that aren't um, as beautiful and wonderful as the songs we sing and as the other people around you um, seem to remember. We recognize that some people, this is not the most joyful season of the year. But for many of us, it does tend to be when we experience um, the accoutrements of the season in a way that just tends to bring out in us this sense of joy. Now, I can remember, remember a time in my Christmas memories where I thought I was going to explode with joy. This particular year, I was 12 years old, and uh, everybody in my family was gathering at our house for Christmas that year. And everyone in my family consisted of about 15 people, and eight of those were kids, but it was everybody I knew I was blood related to gathered. And we, our Christmas tree was in our living room and it was in a bay window. 
And that particular year, when all of the presents got there, the presents were stacked up halfway up that tree. It was a marvel to behold. And it was so exciting for my 12-year-old self to just see that. And it was like, ah. Oh. And part of that was, um, in my household, my mom, like this, this was a recognition of fulfillment, finally, of that delayed gratification. Because we did not get gifts through the year. It was birthday and it was Christmas and that was it. You didn't even get gum at the grocery store line um, unless mom wanted it. Um, and my birthday is in June, so that's exactly halfway through the year. I've been waiting a long time. And I may or may not have been one of those kids Anybody else here familiar with this? Who inspected all of the gifts under the tree? I may or may not have known who every present was for. I may or may not have had an inventory of exactly how many presents that everybody had, including me versus my brothers. Um, maybe others have experienced that. But this particular year, there just was an explosion of gifts for one another. And I just thought I was in heaven. Well, the other piece of the story is that my Aunt Janine is like the best gift giver in the family. She was from California. She didn't have kids, so she doted on her nieces, niece and nephews, and we were just the lucky recipients of that. And my aunt did not shop from a list. She just was such a good shopper. She, I can't remember a single gift I ever got from her I didn't love. And she, was, she had like the clothes. Man, I felt like I was hot stuff because those clothes came from California. Like it was so exciting to get presents for my Aunt Janine. This particular year, um, one of the gifts under the tree was this beautiful box with my name on it. But it wasn't wrapped and it wasn't taped down. It just had that stretchy elastic string tied in a bow. Oh, y'all, it was too tempting for my 12-year-old self. And I'm not even one that would like search the house for the presents and gifts to see what I had gotten ahead of time. I didn't want to know what I had gotten ahead of time. But that year, I'm looking at this beautiful box and I knew that all I had to do all I had to do was lift the lid just a little bit. And I can't remember if it was December 23rd or it might have been the 24th. I might have waited till Christmas Eve. But there came a point when the temptation was too great. And I popped that lid up and stretched the string just enough to see what was in it. And inside was this beautiful set of stationery with my name on it in purple ink, which is my favorite color. There were envelopes that matched. There was a pin in there. It was awesome. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then as fast as that moment of joy came, then came the shame and the remorse and in an instant that joy it was snatched right away from me and then I started worrying because the people who know me know I do not have a very good poker face like at all and I thought how am I going to cover up tomorrow when I open this gift that I am surprised and excited about it when I already know what is in it it was terrible it was terrible that joy that was just almost exploding in my heart, um, just, it, it, it just disappeared. It was gone. It was as if um, that, that, that joy had just turned to my own, my own shame. It was an almost joy experience, and I'm the one that ended up ruining it. Cheated, 
cheated joy for that year. Now, maybe you have had some of these Almost Joys experiences as well, and today we continue our sermon series called Almost Christmas that is based on a sermon that John Wesley delivered called Almost Christian versus Altogether Christian. We talked last week about how we have this sincere desire to give our, our best, to do our best for God, and that we have good intentions, and that those good intentions are better than nothing. But if all that constitutes our practice of Christianity is basic goodness and basic practices and basic intentions and sincerity, then John Wesley would describe that as an almost Christianity, not an altogether Christian. And John Wesley would ask us, doesn't God deserve our very best? Doesn't God deserve great and not just good enough? As we approach this um, Advent season in which we are preparing for and anticipating the birth of Christ, uh, we're going to do so, we have been doing so, I suspect, in a very different way this year. Uh, We have a little more time than we have because we are not as busy as we typically are this time of year. We don't have as many parties and gatherings. We, We don't have as many people to prepare for for Christmas. So maybe we have just a little bit more time on our hands to focus our hearts and our minds and our spirits on what it really does mean to prepare for the birth of Christ once again in our lives. We explore our almost Christmas versus our altogether Christmas uh, experiences by looking at some very familiar themes that we associate with the Advent wreath. Two weeks ago, we looked at an almost hope. Last week, we talked about an almost peace versus an altogether peace. And today, we will consider an almost joy versus an altogether joy. I invite you to hear the word that we have selected this morning um, from Scripture to teach us. And our first lesson comes from Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next. He honors him as God, who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. I add to that a reading from Psalm 30 verses 1 through 5. The psalmist says, I exalt you, Lord, because you pulled me up. You didn't let my enemies celebrate over me. 
Lord my God, I cried out to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from the grave, brought me back to life from among those going down to the pit. You who are faithful to the Lord, sing praises to him and give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts only for a second, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay all night, but by morning, joy. And then the verse that you've heard several times already from Paul's teaching in Philippians. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. This is the word of God for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. So I guess the, the important question for us to reflect on this morning is, what does it actually mean to experience joy? We've talked a lot in worship through the years about the difference between happiness and contentment and being joyful, experiencing joy. Happiness is often associated with something that happens to us. It is a result of, 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 of something in our circumstances around us. Uh, 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 there are external factors that can cause us to experience happiness. While joy is different from that, it is a choice that we purposefully make. And it is an attitude of the heart and the spirit that um, good or bad circumstances around us don't necessarily dictate. Joy is a choice that we make. So with that distinction in mind, when we consider the passage of scripture that we just heard from the Gospel of Luke, and is often referred to as Mary's Magnificat, we can hear the joy that rings throughout Mary's voice as she responds to what God is doing through her. She has gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth and uh, is planning to share this amazing news only to discover that Elizabeth also has amazing news of her own. And both of these women are ecstatic at what has happened. And Mary responds by describing that her spirit is glorifying the Lord, magnifying, glorifying the Lord. In spite of her lowly state, in spite of her being no one special or in particular, the Lord has chosen her and has looked with favor on her. And she will rejoice at all that God has done and all that God will do. And what is it that God is doing that causes such feelings of joy within Mary? Well, Mary is celebrating this thing that God is doing, realizing that it is not just for her and Elizabeth, but God's work, Mary recognizes, are events that are happening for the good and the, the glory of everyone, for everyone, for all God's people. Now, what is God doing for all God's people? It was like Mary, in this moment of time, was able to cl have clarity of both the present, but also the future. And she was able to see in that moment God's redeeming work that God was going to do through Jesus Christ. She, in fact, calls God her Savior because she sees that all that Jesus is going to do in his ministry. 
Now, the Gospels express over and over and over a sense of joy. From the announcement of the important births uh, that come with glad tidings and great joy of both John the Baptist and Jesus, to stories of the joy of forgiveness, of healing, of raising the dead, of welcoming and receiving the outcast, of finding the lost. All of those stories are scattered throughout Jesus's ministry. God's redemptive work takes place over and over in the Gospels, and the results always bring a deep sense of joy of, of what God is doing in the midst of our struggling human experience. And that joy, nine times out of ten, that joy is usually followed with praising God. But I think the pivotal word here in this text, the key word that I read in Mary's Magnificat is when she calls God her Savior. In using that word, Mary recognizes that our human need, that our our humanity, our brokenness, we are in need of being saved. It acknowledges our need for deliverance by someone or something other than ourselves. And this is why in, in that text, in other scripture passages, the proud and the rich were excluded from this joyful experience because typically they are too proud to recognize their need of a savior. It's a warning for all of us to not uh, look at our lives and think we have arrived that we have all we need, that we have managed to take care of ourselves lest we become victims of an almost joy, falling short, far short of experiencing that altogether joy that only Christ can provide. The feeling that no matter our circumstances, good or bad in our immediate surroundings, We choose joy because of what Christ is offering us. Redemption in spite of our shortcomings. And when we look at the world through the lens of the Gospels, we see the actual triumph of God's purpose being worked out for all people everywhere. We see this promise being fulfilled for all the people around the world. And that brings us joy that reaches from the very depth of our spirit. And it is this kind of joy that causes us to be glad and rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says. I want to finish this reflection on joy, though, by picking up those important verses from Psalm 30. This psalm, by the way, is read typically during Hanukkah, and Hanukkah began this past Friday for our Jewish brothers and sisters, and so they have also been been in this particular word along with us. But I think there's an important lesson in this text to add to our reflection on joy that comes from this redemption that Christ offers us. Maybe especially for us to hear these psalmist words during this time when that we are living through that is so particular as I hear more and more about 
people who are affected by COVID, whether that is through the illness itself, through the death of a loved one, or the financial impact that it might have had, or the mental impact that it is having on their well-being, our well-being. These verses from Psalm 30 offer us a particularly relevant understanding of joy versus suffering within what we are living in today. The psalmist makes the point that God has brought up those who were taken down from suffering. It sounds as though the psalmist has been sick and that God has brought healing into into his life. That suffering has finally ended and that wellness has been restored at last. And the important lesson here is that God will bring healing. It's that... um, But with that is this idea that suffering, we know this, that suffering is part of life. That suffering will never be fully extinguished in this life, no matter how faithful we are. It doesn't work that way. But of this we can be sure. While suffering may last through the night, joy will come in the morning. That the ultimate end of human suffering is not weeping, But it is or will become rejoicing. And the existence of suffering does not negate the good news that this life, this life that we have and experience, it is a gift from God. And because of that truth, we have assurance of God's good plans for us. And in response to this good news, the psalmist reminds us that our purpose in existence is to offer praise to God. That our best response to all that God has done for us is to give thanks to God. And that also that praising, that rejoicing, that causes us to feel joy from within. As Paul says, be glad or rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So when we are dependent on our circumstances to create a sense of happiness or contentment, it will only be fleeting. If our greatest source of joy is, comes from a present underneath a tree, then it will be very temporary It will be an almost joy that doesn't quite meet the mark. So mastering this altogether joy means making the choice to choose joy that this world will um, make us happy um, no matter what, whether um, good things or challenging things are happening around us. Um, To depend on this world for that that contentment, um, we will ultimately realize this is an exercise in futility. But right now, there is much at work around us that is trying to snatch our joy. And it feels so fragile that we just let it slip through our fingers. Let us be reminded today that instead we choose joy because of the assurance that we have that God has chosen us. And let us be reminded that we are to hold on to that joy, white-fisted, determined, because we know that God has redeemed us. God has found us and accepted us and healed us and loves us. 
And when we lean into God's redemptive work, when we lean in and trust what God is doing in our lives, then our only acceptable and natural response is one of joy. Because it is quite stunning, quite stunning what this coming Christ child is going to do for all humanity, for you and for me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Amen.